0: This podcast was recorded remotely. There are spoilers ahead for the TV show Succession, and due to the nature of that show and my dad's potty mouth, adult language throughout. Check the podcast description for time codes for spoiler free goodness.
1: Hello, and welcome to TV DNA Succession, Season 3, Episode 4 Lion in the Meadow. My name's Adam and I'm here with Neil. Cockadinoodle Doo and Grace. Hello. <laughs> How are we both doing?
2: Good, thank you. Excited to talk about this one. Very excited.
0: There's tons going on, so many good one-liners, and the way things are developing, and I'm still sitting on the edge of my seat as to what's going to happen next.
1: Knuckle up, big bird. Time to go. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we start with? Who should we start with? Should we start with Logan? Let's start with Logan.
2: I think we should start with our lion.
0: He is lion, but also Kendall's very much in the lion's den. Like a tiny little mouse that's being played with by a fucking
1: huge cat. So let's set this up then. Where do we find Logan first of all? The first thing we have with Logan is that he wants to see Greg.
2: Oh, Greg.
1: Well, this is the answer to Grace's question from last
0: week. Clearly, Greg is on both sides, not through trying to be some kind of double agent and being really crafty, just because he's an idiot. He doesn't know why, he he doesn't want to say no to anyone. Both sides think that he's working for them, at least at the beginning of the episode.
2: He's definitely more porn than double agent, I'd say. (laughs) I think he's just going where he's told and hoping for the best. I don't think he's got enough foresight to really play moves ahead. I could be wrong, but then we say that. But then he took the papers in the first place. He stole them out the fire. Maybe he's a little more savvy than we give him credit for. Maybe not after such a large rum and coke.
0: (laughs) Well, we need to remember what Greg wants, Greg must have. And he knows how to chug it.
1: The whole shall I have a drink or shall I not have a drink was just absolutely brilliant. Logan says it almost like a command. It's not a question. Drink. You will have a drink. But he does what you were saying, Grace, you shouldn't do with Logan, doesn't he? Logan asks him, what does he want? And he's like, well, what can I get? (laughs) Um, Doesn't work that way. You've got to come up with something. And later on in his conversation with Tom, we find out he wants to be director of operations of Parks.
2: I thought he wouldn't want to touch Parks with a barge pole after everything he's been through. Oh, no, that was cruises, not Parks. Parks is (laughs) A-OK. Yeah.
0: No problem
1: in parks.
0: <laughs> I mean, Logan definitely has the upper status when it comes to that conversation with Greg. However, he loses that upper status when they all meet on the island with Josh, who I will say right now, amazing cameo by Adrian Brody, reminded me that some of these cameos they bring in, like Holly Hunter in the last series, are just fantastic. Seeing Logan being very uncomfortable and trying to play the game and not be that lower status. He's desperate, as is Kendall. They are both so desperate that they're going through this. And there's an amazing shot where it's just the two of them, they're not speaking. And Logan is looking up in desperation and Kendall is looking down in desperation. I, I thought that was a beautiful shot.
2: Let's talk about these silences. They were epic, weren't they? I mean, they were They were almost full in a way, even though no one was talking. I wanted them to go on for even longer. I just think they were so expertly played by Jeremy Strong and Brian Cox. So much unsaid between father and son. It was, honestly, my heart was in my mouth during those silences.
1: (laughs) There's a wonderful moment where they first meet, and. Kendall gives him a hug and Logan doesn't hug him back, but just looks at the Josh character, Adrian Brody. Eyebrow raised almost of like, you know, yeah, my kid needs a hug.
2: Also, their matching hats just made it even better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's put a bit of context around this then. So there's four days until the shareholders meeting, which could spell doom for Waystar and Logan and the the Roy family. Adrian Brody's character, Josh, has a 4% holding in the company. And they've always thought he was pretty secure, but now he's he's demanding to speak to Kendall and Logan and summons them to his island under the pretense that his daughter is, is not very well. And there's all sorts of shenanigans that goes on with them getting there. So they both arrive in these cars and then Kendall is told to wait whilst Logan gets out of his car and then goes diagonally across to the helicopter that was in front of Kendall. So they're in the helicopters, and then when they get to the planes, Kendall's plane is told to take off first so that Logan isn't hanging around at the other end. So he's playing all of these games, and of course, when Kendall gets to the island, rather than having a meeting on the tarmac like they agreed... So they could come up with a shared approach. Kendall goes off and he tells Logan's aide to tell him, meet, meet.
2: Big shout out to the helicopter shot. We haven't had one of them in a little while and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Going into that in a bit more detail, Logan saying, no, no, that one's for the Judas, <laughs> that helicopter. And again, it was a reminder, Adam, as you said a few weeks ago, how much money these people have. Two separate helicopters. I mean, that's got to be an extortionate amount of money. Just because they can't be in the same space with each other. Incredible.
0: Logan's setting the terms and then Kendall decides to go ahead and all of that. It's like they could just, with my eco hat on, they could just have one helicopter. It he wasn't necessary, And if, if that had been the case, then they'd have both ride together. But it, it was really fun to see Logan set stuff up and then Kendall go, okay, well, I'm just going to get there anyway, try and get the upper hand.
2: As Kendall said many times in the first 10 minutes, I won't be railroaded. I won't be railroaded. He must have said that three or four times. And this is him going, yeah, you can choreograph a dance, but I'm not going to dance it. It was a strong start from Kendall, I'd say, coming out the blocks.
0: Well, you're talking about dancing, Grace. I absolutely love the line. King Kong's come to dance for me.
2: Yes, nice. Josh had the most amount of layers any human being can wear. That's the first thing I want to say about Josh. <laughs> More money than sense, that man. I'm still trying to work out how much of that was set up because his daughter wasn't sick. And is that whole walk through the meadow, was that all planned? The lack of Evian available? <laughs> <That's so dumb. laughs> and I, I just don't trust that that wasn't partly thought through I don't think he ever intended Logan to collapse like he did but I think he did want to rough them up a little bit I don't know maybe I'm wrong
0: but he had Stewie lined up to meet him as soon as they left exactly was that confirmed then that Stewie was coming to meet him as soon as they'd got? <laughs> didn't Kendall see from the window of the plane Stewie come out of another plane and shake hands with Josh.
2: Yeah, he saw him come out and hug Josh. Yeah, it must have been prearranged. There's no way they could have got there in time. Was it just all a massive play? I've written down one of his
0: lines. At the end of the day, you work for the shareholders. I, you saying that's Logan. I have a gun at your head. It needs to be a functional situation, and I absolutely loved. I mean, it was like both Logan and Kendall were little kids. <laughs> to win attention because they both knew how important this is and then when they both say no no it'll be we'll be fine we'll sort this out clearly Josh does not believe them and when Logan said about Kendall oh he's a good kid and I love him maybe he'll be him one day maybe he's the best one of all of them Oh, my God. Clearly, nobody believes Logan. and I'm sure Josh doesn't either. He's clearly really
1: savvy. I wrote it down as his, Logan's, it'll be okay speech. How much do we believe this? Is he just massaging Kendall's ego and trying to put up this front? It's a really convincing speech. But then later on, he denies it to Kendall and describes it. He'll say anything to get fucked on a date, he says to him. And basically tells Kendall he's never going to get hold of Waystar Royco. I wonder how much the situation with Logan. So Logan had a heart attack in the first season and is struggling on this walk back. Kendall's pushing him. There's a mixture of him being concerned for his dad's health, but then also him trying to rile him up. And when Logan does finally collapse and Josh comes over, Kendall's trying to say, it's going to be okay, he's just, you know, he's this, that and the other. And Josh is like, why don't you just look after your dad? You know, he can see clearly that they are not getting on and they are not going to have a united front. And I wonder whether that's what makes his mind
2: up about which side to land on. Just to go back to that speech, the uh, it'll all be okay speech. Did you notice that sadness in his face? He looked really sad. I don't know what makes Logan sad, really. I don't know whether he heard himself say it, realised that it would never be true. And suddenly this sadness came out. It's very rare you see him like that. I found that really interesting. I was trying to unpick that a little bit.
0: It was a real atmosphere uh, point of Josh being almost like a
1: marriage counsellor. They do find some sort of common ground at one point in that they all agree that the Beatles were either good or great.
0: <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. I'm not sure they did find a common ground because I could it written down that well, they were good. Oh, no, they were great. No, they were good. Within a ballpark, they're
1: agreeing that the Beatles were talented musicians. Somewhere between good and great. Yeah.
2: The most basic of common grounds.
1: (laughs) I love Josh asking Kendall to close up the outrage shop. (laughs) By the end of the
0: episode, I also wonder whether that was a bit of a test. He wanted to see what Kendall was prepared to do.
2: I think it felt to me all like a test. I didn't trust Josh. It all felt like they were having to reassure him constantly, and it it was very tense to watch. It was quite uncomfortable.
0: Very uncomfortable. I think also Logan's being uncomfortable. God, he's basically telling the president to fuck off, and now he's lying over, wanting his belly tickled by this Josh character. And yet, when Josh isn't listening, he's telling Kendall that he's now got Greg, Kendall's got no chance, and I think it's a long time since we've seen uncomfortably, Logan wear a mask and be prepared to take it up the back passage, as it were.
1: Yeah, there were three things for Logan in this episode. One was getting Greg on side, which he achieved via Tom. The second was dealing with this Josh, which was a loss for Logan. And then the third one was dealing with the president, which he was doing via Shiv. who was trying to then do that via Tom to get to this news guy and start putting the pressure on politically via his news channel and that one felt like a win because at the end of the episode he's on the phone to the president and the president's spitting blood and Logan's like well I can you know if I wasn't so distracted by this by the FBI turning up on my doorstep then maybe maybe I'd have more time to deal with these rogue news anchors.
2: Logan calling the president the raisin is one of my favorite things. (laughs) But yeah, now you say it, uh, Adam, he seemed not carefree at the end of that episode, but quite happy with himself, didn't he? He seemed quite like lying there, kind of showing off to the the woman who was on the plane with him. Whereas Kendall looked deeply concerned. Obviously, Kendall has seen Stewie arrive, but two very different approaches to the same day.
0: To be honest, I feel like they both left feeling like they were still in control, or at least still
1: doubting if they were still in
0: control. That's probably a better way of
1: I think for Logan, certainly, it was probably the the two out of three wins will, will do for him. I think we missed it from last week. It was in the recap at the beginning of the episode. There was a line about the president doesn't feel like you've been helpful or truthful. Logan responds by saying it could be a lot effing worse. This is him making it a lot effing worse for the president because he's not getting his way. So it's Logan using his powers to influence the very highest office. But for Kendall, I think what Logan gives him in this episode is is the suggestion that it's never going to be you, ever. Kind of pulls the rug from underneath his feet. A bit. Roman also lays the blame squarely at Kendall's feet for Josh going the other way. There's a phone call at the end.
2: Yeah, I don't know where Kendall goes from here. I feel like he's losing allies, he's losing his footing, he's losing his focus and his direction. I don't know where he goes.
1: Maybe he spends a bit more time with his kids rather than getting his aid to show them the rabbit on Rabbit Cam.
2: I mean, hands off parenting, Rabbit Cam. <laughs> I couldn't believe it.
1: Kendall is persuaded to go to this meeting by Frank. It reminded me that Kendall saw Frank almost as a mentor and an advisor. And it's clear Logan used that relationship to get Kendall to go there. The conference call where he records his name as Little Buckleroy.
2: I loved that conference call. And I loved how, actually, the first time that him and Logan had spoken was on that conference call. And the first thing that Logan said to Kendall is behave yourself. That must've been a bit of a punch to the stomach to hear his dad's voice on the phone for the first time telling him to behave himself. He
1: also tells Shiv that he's not sure whether they come back from her letter. I wonder whether we can talk about Shiv at this point, because I feel like she's Pretty much, maybe with the exception of Roman, universally disliked. Absolutely. She doesn't really
0: know what she's doing in the position. You know, she's a very, very smart woman, but she doesn't really know what she's doing. And she's floundering. Logan has realised that.
2: I think she gets a bit set up to flounder. Logan or someone will give her a job to do. She will smash that job. When she walked into Carl and Frank's office and they are on the lunch break, she got them back on side. She gave them focus. She was brilliant, I thought. She commanded the room. But then as soon as she's done it, then someone tells her, oh no, you did that. Sorry, no, that wasn't right. And I think she just gets set up over and over again to just flounder, like you say. I don't know if that's on her. I think that they're manipulating her in some way.
0: In this episode, Logan said to her, I gave you a destination Everything, everywhere is moving forever. Get used to it. For me, that was absolutely clear that she either has to grow a pair or she cannot be part of this arena. And then she tried to join this editorial meeting. She tries to do a Logan on this character, Mark.
1: Again, I think there's three things with, well, I think there's four actually, but three that are pertinent to this conversation. The Carl and Frank thing, Logan tells her to back off and she's done it wrong. Connor is another one who says, I just don't think I want to deal with you Shiv. And he talks about her playing post office and stamping the mail and being quite officious in their play as children. But the third one, actually, the conversation that she has with Mark does bear fruit Actually, that's her win in this episode. And it's the last one she does. It's the third one. It feels like this is her taking those lessons from Logan. And she tells Mark, we don't get embarrassed. And then the next thing we know about that storyline, Logan is on the phone to the president and the president's kicking off. So it felt like it was lose, lose, win for Shiv. But someone who has usually, or had her back in the past, obviously, is Tom. And for Tom, it just feels like their relationship is going... So, so drastically downhill to the point Tom is fantasizing about pushing his wife down the stairs. He tells this story, this story of the Romans of Nero and Sporus, which is not IP that Greg's familiar with. He says, I'd castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat. And if you take that backwards, that means that he's fantasizing about killing his wife, castrating Greg and marrying Greg in Shiv's clothes. Adam, that was going to be my sign off for the episode. you have spoilt it
0: now. I thought that was an amazing line. Tom was just pure joy as a viewer. He was looking through what was like a travel brochure of prisons. Which one would I rather go to? What are the facilities?
2: The catalogue was so good. No one seems to be at all worried about Tom going to prison except Tom. (laughs) Not even his wife, as you say.
1: This is it. I think that's exactly why it's all going... Well, I mean, there's lots of reasons why their relationship is is completely crumbling apart. But for him, there's no way back. And he's looking for something, anything from her and just not getting it. And the conversation about what if he forgets to burp the toilet wine when he's in prison?
2: There's no fine wine in prison. (laughs) That's his concern, isn't it? I'm not, where's my fine wine? And he was like, I'm not going to be able to read when is lights out? This is like the least of your worries, Tom.
1: He does talk about the fact that he might potentially be sucking off Ogus' phone cards.
2: That scene with Greg, as you say, talking about that tail, spinning that yarn, then it going into real boys boarding school energy with the wrestling like chickens and the... And then him just pulling over the coat rack on his way out as a final.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was so childish. He just wants some human contact. That's all he wants. If the only place he can get that is a wrestle with Greg, then he's gonna go for that. But even Greg knocks him back from a, a little tussle yeah. on the floor. It hurts him. You can see he's in pain as he leaves and pushes the coat stand over. I think Tom would love a wrestle with Greg as long as he was castrated first. I loved the names he was giving himself or the names he said that others had given him. But there were a few in the like, he, said he was terminal Tom because he had career cancer. He said he was a minion wrangler and a shit eater in his conversation with Shiv. His self-esteem is just rock bottom, and it's just really heartbreaking,
2: I think. I think something's got to happen, though. He's going to have to bounce back up soon. He can't stay Terminal Tom. For the whole series, Tom's come back, fingers crossed.
1: He just needs someone to love him. I mean, Shiv says, I don't know what I can say to you. She's barely trying to understand his perspective.
2: On the Roy Swingometer, Tom is on the sympathetic side. He's almost busting the swingometer over. I don't know, maybe
0: it's the cruel little corner of my heart that wants things to get even
1: worse for Tom. I do want to see him sucking off ogres for phone cards. I want to see Tom becoming a prison boss. Like, I want to see him becoming the ogre, him turning into full Logan in prison. He becomes the ogre and he's getting sucked off and giving out the phone cards. You'd like to see him getting sucked off and giving out phone cards? Well, I'd like to see him be the prison boss.
2: So many mental images going through my head right now.
1: (laughs) Speaking of which, should we switch to Roman? Oh, can we do Connor before Roman? So Connor wants to come in.
2: Connor needs some first-hand experience if he's going to go for the top job.
0: That's his whole ploy. He wants to have something on his CV, which right now, apart from being a farmer, is, is pretty much nothing. If he wants to be president... Not that that stops any other presidents in the past from becoming president. He wants something more than what he's offered, which is to be basically a food presenter.
1: On Gormondo. He's also got theatre producer on his CV. I mean, that's, you know...
2: And who wouldn't want that on their CV?
1: (laughs) I guess Ronald Reagan was an actor. I mean,
0: anything can happen in America.
1: So he wants three to four major achievements and then he can get out. You know, he wants to get in... Do three or four brilliant things, and then just then get out, and then he'll be able to run for president in four years' time. And he says he's got the boot on the old man's throat. To some extent, he does, but I do feel that he's got
0: quite a weak ankle, so I'm not sure that boot's going to do much.
1: Shiv, I think, quite properly says, "Actually, you can't do this, Connor." Let's game this out in Greg and Tom style. What do we think this means for Connor? If we think that Logan is probably going to win through in the end, that's what you said. Okay, let's say then. Logan does win out in the end, and Connor's been difficult. Do we think this will end badly for Connor? Or do you think they'll be like, well, this raisin's been problematic for us. Maybe it's a good idea for us to get a family member in the White House? Personally, absolutely. I think that's what this whole storyline with Connor has been leading up to.
0: And also with the whole echoes of the Murdoch family and the Murdoch media supporting politics and all of that. Absolutely. The reason why Connor is basically an idiot going for the White House. There's so many shades of Trump there and Boris to an extent. And I honestly do think this is a future storyline that is being set up. There will definitely be the influence of the Roy empire on politics.
2: I agree. I think he's going to go for it. And I think he's going to have the full support of the fam and the firm behind him. I don't know why he's saying he hasn't achieved much. He was in charge of Operation Thumb Twiddle which we can all agree was a huge success.
1: Should we get our socks off and move on to Roman then? Oh, yes. Let's do it. Roman's a little bit upset that Jerry is dating, but he's come up with this idea. He's remembered this thing that happened to Kendall's stag where they found a hobo and they paid the hobo to have Kendall's initials tattooed onto his forehead. And Roman believes that if they make this public, then that will damage... Wocahontas.
2: <laughs> Wocahontas was yeah. so good. Yeah, he seemed quite almost distracted by this idea. I felt like he became quite obsessed with it over the episode. Like, this is going to solve all of our problems. And I actually think he doesn't know how big the problems really are. <laughs> This is not going to solve the problems. But yeah, an amazing reminder of how awful these people are.
0: Absolutely. And when Roman drags in, they've somehow managed to track down this hobo. God knows how. Sorry to call you a hobo. You're an individual in your own right and you've made success of your life, it seems. But somehow they've managed to find him and bring him in and he's made enough of his life that he has been able to remove mostly or there's still shadows there of kendall's initials and then roman offers him a million dollars for his story and i guess all he wants is for his dad to give him a bedtime
1: bath yeah he thinks this is what's going to get him back in logan's good books by, by taking Kendall down. Just the disrespect, like, they call him Tattoo Man, they don't use his name. And when Roman and Hugo are looking at his forehead, it's like they're examining a piece of meat. It's really, really yeah. horrible and uncomfortable. And then it's Jerry who points out towards the end of the episode that actually this is going to damage him and his reputation as much as it's going to damage Kendall's. That's both from just a
2: But When she says you always need to think how you're going to play in any situation. And actually that's the lesson of lots of succession, I think. That's what they're all thinking 80% of the time. And Roman seemed to have forgotten that because he got distracted about embarrassing his brother. It's a massive
0: family monopoly game. They're all playing against each other. I nearly said chess. The reason I say monopoly is because have any of you had a monopoly game with your family that hasn't ended up in tears and arguments?
2: I used to cheat a lot of monopolies, so I think I'd be great in succession. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it wasn't with my family. It was with my housemates when I was at uni, and I remember my—I was winning a game of Monopoly, and my housemate literally flipped the entire board <laughs> up in the air, <laughs> and that was the end—end end of that game.
2: My main question is: Do we think that they are going to keep control of the company?
1: Of course they are. Well, the clock is ticking; four days to go. We're building. There's a momentum here for the for the show to so this is a
2: shareholder meeting. At the moment, it could end up with none of them having it. And that's what's clever. I don't think that's what's going to happen. But the fact that that is on the table as a possibility, very, very clever.
0: To be honest, I have no doubt that even if momentarily they lost it to Sandy and Stewie, they'll be fighting to get it back. I think we're looking at many seasons to come. And we've got the Connor storyline, got the Roman storyline to come. Actually, from what you said last episode, Slightly more convinced that he might be more sexually do it. I think there's so much still to
1: come. I don't think they're going to lose the company, but I can't work out who's going to save it at this point. I think somebody is going to come to the rescue with something and probably not be rewarded for it. So, Adam, who's CEO now based on our predictions from last
0: week? Anyone got any points?
1: Well, nobody's scored any points. I think I went for Kendall, from memory. You went for Greg, potentially director of Park. You almost deserve a half point for the fact that he got a promotion. <laughs> but we're not doing that. I and went with
2: Roman. It was a terrible choice. He was very distracted.
1: Definitely two points lost by all of us, I think, by nobody playing it safe and going for Jerry, who was still CEO at the end of the episode. So, Grace, you get to go first this week. Who do you think is going to be CEO?
2: Yeah, I'm an maverick, whatever. But I'm going to go with Jerry. I need points. <laughs>
1: you know okay based
0: on that i also kind of want to play it safe in the closest i can do that
1: is roman so i'm going to go for president sorting all of this nonsense out logan's back in there as ceo in time for the shareholder meeting i think that's a good call so favorite line of the episode mine is really an exchange and it's fairly early on in the episode when greg and kendall are talking and greg says i'm a sturdy bird And Kendall says, say it three times before the cock crows, brother. And Greg looks very (laughs) confused and then says, cock a doodle doo. And Kendall says, knuckle up, big bird. I was half expecting him to just say it three times.
0: My favorite line was King Kong's Come to Dance for Me by Josh.
2: I think mine very simply, it's the whole speech, but there are no fine wines in prison. What if I
1: forget to burp the toilet wine? Yeah. I do want to give a special yeah. shout out to I'd castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat yes. for all that it said and all that it didn't say.
2: Beautiful.
1: So I'm off to check the post to see if I've got my 40th birthday party invite from Kendall.
2: I don't want to go to that party.
1: What, Adrian Brody, Kendall and Henry Kissinger?
2: No, I'm all right, thanks. <laughs>
1: Okay, enough of this fuck pie. Let's talk about some other stuff. Let's talk about what we've been watching. Neil? The only thing I've been watching
0: is the new Doctor Who. And I know lots of people that are big Doctor Who fans that have lost it. And also lots of people who were fans of Doctor Who that are absolutely loving it. To be honest, first two episodes are great. I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but you've got tons of familiar villains coming back and you've also got a new villain and you've got the fantastic John Bishop who's one of the new Accidental Companions and I've really enjoyed it. I won't say it's like the best Doctor Who experience I've had but it's enough to make me feel like I want to watch more of this. It feels like that they're coming up, which they've done before, with a kind of complex plot that plays out over the season. When they've done that well, I've really enjoyed it. It's called Doctor Who The Flux or Doctor Who Flux. I would definitely say if you've been a fan of Doctor Who in the past, do watch it. and
1: I'll I'll come up with updates over the next couple of weeks as it goes on. I know this is the final season for Jodie Whittaker and also the final season before Russell T. Davis returns. I'm really excited about Russell T. Davis coming back. Obviously, he was the one who completely
0: regenerated Doctor Who. I enjoy watching Jodie's Doctor, but so many of my friends who have been Doctor Who fans in the past haven't been happy with her And I think that's very sad because I think she's a fantastic actress and obviously it's amazing that she's the first female Doctor. But maybe the writing just hasn't been there or the directing hasn't been there for her because it could have been so much better.
2: Are there already rumours about who'll be the next Doctor, says someone who's never watched an episode of Doctor Who in their life?
1: I have heard that potentially Ollie Alexander from It's a Sin and the other one that I've heard, Russell Tovey.
2: Oh, I love Russell Tovey.
0: No, I love Russell Tovey as well.
2: I might actually watch an episode of Russell
0: Tovey. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have a dream doctor who would be the ideal doctor for you? Cillian Murphy. I think he'd be an amazing doctor. I like the doctors who are really dark and unhinged. And I think David Tennant did really well on that. In the yes, he was entertaining and prime time viewing, but he was also
1: dark. He wasn't just playing for laughs. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think the perfect person for Doctor Who would be Benedict Cumberbatch. But obviously, having done Sherlock and Doctor Strange, he's probably a bit of an obvious choice for that now.
2: Oh, I once got Doctor Who and Bond confused. <laughs> 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 I was watching a Bond film. I can't remember which one it was. It was a Daniel Craig. And at the end, Daniel Craig walked into a lift. And I swear to God, I thought Idris Elba was going to walk out of that lift. My friend actually <laughs> say to me, Grace, it's not Doctor Who. Those words came out of their mouth. This is who you're dealing with in this conversation. (laughs) Well, let's quickly do 21 to
1: 30 of the BBC Culture 100 list. So, number 21, curb your enthusiasm. 22, Black Mirror. 23, Better Course All, 24, Veep, 25, Sherlock, 26, Watchmen, 27, Line of Duty, 28, Friday Night Lights, 29, Parks and Recreation, and 30, Girls. So
0: many series there that have such a large place in my heart. Definitely think on quality of writing and plotting and acting, Better Course All should have been... Much higher up. I love Parks and Recreations. To be honest, they're all good shouts. And there are a few there I haven't heard of. Did you ever watch
1: Watchmen, Neil? Watch the film. The series was brilliant. It's a really great reboot of that show. I mean, the film, there was so many delays over making that film. It's all based on a comic book, Grace. And it was so many delays because the fans of that comic book are pretty ardent fans. The film that was made almost recreates that book panel for panel and is so faithful to it. And the TV series, which I think, again, was another Damon Lindelof thing. Might need to fact check that. It took it in a really interesting way. It's set in the future. Those characters from the original film are older. But it was really brilliant, really brilliantly done. I hope there's going to be a season two of The Watchmen because the first season they did in 2019 I thought was exceptionally good.
0: Obviously, I fucking love Line of Duty. It's a fantastic show. And Sherlock, I assume this is the Cumberbatch and uh, Martin Freeman version as opposed to Robbie Downey Jr. and Steve Law. Again, I absolutely love that. W Enthusiasm is probably the one that, although I've seen a few bits and pieces on social media... I haven't actually sat down and followed it. And a bit like The Wire for me, it's one of those things that I kind of know I need to. I, I know enough of cultural references in a conversation like cricket and football. I can make the odd reference to the offside rule. But I don't really know what I'm talking about. Well, that's kind of the same with Curb Your
1: Enthusiasm for me. So I definitely need to add that to my catch-up list. I think you'll enjoy Watchmen Neil. I think you should definitely check that out. Grace, what do you think?
2: There's quite a few that I've just seen a bit of. I've seen a bit of Veep. I've seen a bit of a few of them. So I feel like I've kind of dived into a couple and I think they're all I think they're all great. I mean, I think Parks and Rec is one of the most amazing TV shows. And girls, for me, It's got a very special place in my heart because essentially I did my 20s with girls. So it came out around the same time that I was the right age for the characters. And then every year it came out and I grew up with girls. And that's the same for me and a lot of my friends. So that's got a very special place in my heart. Neil, I know we've touched on this before, but obviously not a Line of Duty fan. Devastated that it's higher than girls. Don't understand it never will. I think that's the only one that I would shunt right on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's Neil. but yeah i think parks and rec and girls are the two that stood out to me as being things i regularly return to because i love them so much
0: okay i, I am gonna need to to head off so if i just say my goodbye and then you two carry on talking
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. little lord Funker Roy has left the call. Bye. Very good. Girls was one of those that I watched over Catherine's shoulder whilst she was watching. Certainly haven't seen every single episode. I find myself drawn into watching it. And I think that is a testament to the writing and the quality of that show. <laughs> Have you ever watched Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul? You
2: know what? I saw all of Breaking Bad and I think the first episode of Breaking Bad is a masterclass in first episodes of telly. The trousers floating down as the opening shot, just bringing you into that world in immediately so I loved Breaking Bad I haven't watched Better Call Saul but I know that you like it Adam and then obviously Neil loves it and I know you've you've spoken about it before I guess sometimes I feel with TV shows when I leave the world it takes quite a lot for me to go back in in a new angle
1: I had a good gap between Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul I definitely came to Better Call Saul late but it is really very good when the final season eventually does come we're almost definitely going to be doing an episode by episode Damien and Neil are huge huge fans Black Mirror was another one I came to late but really enjoyed I think that might have been an early lockdown watch for me but I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm or Veep or Friday Night Lights or Parks and Recreation so You
2: haven't seen Parks and Rec Adam
1: No and I think of these 10 that's the one I'm most curious about and that's the one that I feel like I've heard the most positive things about I don't know why but Curb Your Enthusiasm has never really appeal.
2: me neither i would say with parks and rec to you and to anyone listening who's interested in watching it you've kind of got to get through the first series and a half before it really kicks in don't give up on it
1: i thought veep would have been on your street
2: i liked veep i did like veep i guess i'm i, I love the thick of it so much and i think i love it partly because it is british in its humor in its politics veep i do enjoy but it feels a bit more american I'd rather watch old episodes of The Thick of It than new episodes of Veep. What have you been watching this week? I started watching Made, which is one of those slightly word of mouth ones on Netflix. I'd heard a lot of good things. It's obviously been recommended to me by my algorithm. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It tells the story of a young woman who escapes from an, an abusive relationship. <laughs> basically in the first 10 seconds of the episode. She takes her daughter with her, and she's basically down and out. I mean, she's stuck between... She can't really get any help from her mother, who's this not-very-maternal artist, live wire woman, obviously her abusive ex-partner, and then the system is just stacked against her. She gets this job as a maid, as a cleaner. That's where I left her, really, after the episode one. So... I'm enjoying it. I think it's really well made. It's really well acted. It's a good script. The only thing is I think I knew what was going to happen the whole time about 10 minutes before it happened. I wasn't really ever surprised by what happened. Maybe that's because I'm watching too much telly at the moment and I can see I can see all the strings being pulled and maybe because Succession always surprises me every time I kind of feel like it should always be like that but it is really good and I am really enjoying it so I'm going to carry on for sure yeah I'd recommend it
1: it's a fine line isn't it because I think sometimes tv shows have and I can't I'm not going to be able to pick a specific example but have almost tried too hard to be unexpected and almost haven't laid that groundwork enough to justify the twists and turns that they take. So I think it is a really fine line either being predictable or making that twist for the sake of it.
2: Yeah I'd rather predictable and well made than unpredictable and badly made aka the last series of Game of Thrones.
1: (laughs) I said it before but Midnight Mass was so many twists and turns none of them I saw coming but all of them so very much in character and, and plausible and within the world I have burned through the second season of Fleabag. And I've always had a bit of a weird relationship with Andrew Scott. I think for most men, there's this thing of, he's seen to be a very attractive and, and sexy man. And for most men, they think, well, he's just a bit funny looking. But it's his charisma and everything that I think. And so I think there's a lot of jealousy around Andrew Scott. And maybe it's because I think the first thing I saw him in was Sherlock, where he's he's being a creepy baddie. I just thought he was brilliant in this. Absolutely superb. And I fell in love with him. Andrew Scott plays the priest in the second season of Fleabag, if you haven't seen it. They do a really clever thing with the direct address to the audience that I spoke about last week. And I thought the ending of the whole show, because it only ran for two seasons, was just brilliant and really really well executed and I'm sure there was at the time and probably still is clamour for more Fleabag. I could certainly watch more of it absolutely but I did think it was a really well made two season show that told this character story arc in a really brilliant way. It was really heartwarming I think the end of it made me feel really good without it being in any way at all saccharine i want to thank the bbc for coming up with this culture list which which led me to watch this show Uh,
2: (laughs) not just the fact that everyone else has seen it what andrew scott did for the catholic church cannot be understated you know at the start of season two she says this is a love story and you think it means that the love story between her and Andrew Scott's character but actually what I read is that it's the love story between her and her sister and actually that's the love story that is at the heart of it. Season two of Fleabag has got one of my favourite lines in TV history in it which is when Fleabag says to her sister, why don't you chase him through the airport, the guy that she fancies? And her sister turns to Fleabag and she says, the only person I'd run through the airport for is you. As someone with a sister, I can 100% understand. You know what I am going to start? I am going to start Midnight Mass because you have mentioned it a couple of times. My friends who listen to this have also started it and they're really enjoying it, so I'm going to go for it. I'm not going to be scared.
1: My other hot tip for you is the Tower, which is new to ITV, but this is led by Gemma Whelan, who's fantastic actress. And it's based on the novel Post Morton by Kate London. Kate London trained in theatre, then moved to the police force, and then became a crime writer. But the premise for this show is that Gerald Whelan's character is a police officer who's called to the scene because a young girl and a policeman have fallen from the top of a block of flats, a, a tower, flats to their ultimate demise and at the top of that block of flats there is another police officer and a small boy the show really is about unraveling how these two ended up plummeting to their death and it's a really great mystery piece that's satisfying time jumps. We see the present day Gemma Whelan trying to solve the case and find out what's happened. We see the two police officers interacting with the young girl in the past. Just started the second episode which takes a little bit of a turn when it suggests that some of this might have been racially motivated. I also want to give a shout out to some of the other cast members. Tahira Sharif who plays the female police officer. Jimmy Akimbola who plays Gemma Whelan's partner. And Nabil Elu. Harvey, who's just brilliant in everything that he's in. We last saw him in time. It's a three episode series. So it's three hours long, but I think the writing and the performances is really good. I don't know where it's going to go. It raises all sorts of different issues without them feeling shoehorned in.
2: That sounds great. Also, I love an ITV crime drama. They know what they're doing.
1: So I've watched one other thing, and that's Dexter New Blood, which I talked about last week. The original showrunner for that is back, the guy who made Dexter such a success in the first place. Jennifer Carpenter is back, despite dying at the end of last season of Dexter. Yeah, it's a really different feel, but it's really well done. It's an exciting return for a character that I've enjoyed. I think Dexter fans will be very, very happy by this coming back. I think if you haven't seen any Dexter, you might find it a little bit confusing, but I'm really intrigued to see where it's going. It's gonna be one of my weekly watches from now on.
2: Sounds good. So it's really fun for the fans, you'd say, this series. Yes and no.
1: You could probably, wikipedia the first nine seasons of dexter and read it as a story because i feel like this is a good jumping on point if you aren't going to watch all nine seasons read what happens in them so you've got some basis of understanding and then watch the new series there's a few callbacks there's certainly some references and if this was the first episode you'd ever seen of dexter and knew nothing about it then you would be incredibly
2: confused. Isn't it amazing how sometimes shows just pass you by? I don't think they pass you by, Adam. Dexter, nine series. Honestly, I think I've seen one poster for it once. (laughs) Some shows just don't go on your radar, do they? And then before you know it, you blink and there's been nine series of it. I find it so interesting where I just totally passed me by that one.
1: They definitely had some peaks. I mean, John Lithgow when he was a guest starring in Dexter. I remember that season being really, really strong. Yvonne Strahovski, she was brilliant in Dexter. There were some really, really jaw-droppingly good moments within those nine seasons. I've got a lot of time for Dexter. I, he's just a great anti-hero. He's a serial killer with a moral code. So there's a few bits and pieces coming out this week that I think are really interesting and worth mentioning. One that I'm really looking forward to watching, and i recommend it to Damien because I think it's right history is Dope Sick, which comes out on the 12th of November. This is the story of how one company triggered the worst drug epidemic in American history. So it deals with uh, America's struggle with opioid addiction, From the boardrooms of Big Pharma to a distressed Virginia mining community to the hallways of the DEA. It's a limited series and it's inspired by New York Times bestselling book by Beth Macy and it stars Michael Keaton, Peter Sarsgaard, Michael Stuhlbarg, who we last saw in Your Honour, but also is in Boardwalk Empire, both great shows. Will Poulter, who I think is brilliant, also last seen in the Underground Railroad, and Rosario Dawson, brilliant cast.
2: Sounds great. Yeah. Want to check that out? Also, heavy tube marketing for that one. So, I did know that was coming. (laughs) I think
1: it's coming out on Disney Plus. I think it's on the Star platform. When I was doing my research, I found out that Will Poulter is going to be playing Adam Warlock in the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 movie, which I know will probably not mean very much to you, Grace. It was very (laughs) exciting to me.
2: I have actually seen Guardians of the Galaxy and I enjoyed it.
1: It's great. Yeah, yeah. Really good. Have you seen the second one? No. Also, out on the 12th of November and inspired by True Events is The Shrink Next Door, which is Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell. It also has Catherine Hahn. And it's about the relationship between a psychiatrist, which is played by Paul Rudd, and his longtime patient, played by Will Ferrell. And it's just how this psychiatrist slowly inserts himself into his patient's life based on a true story coming out on the 12th of November, and I think that one's going to be on Apple TV. And then the other thing that I had coming up is Tiger King Season 2.
2: Oh, God. Are we? Are we? Are we going to do that?
1: I mean, we'll probably be compelled to, won't we? Won't we just have to see some of it?
2: I just... How much time was lost to Tiger King? I mean, we had all the time in the world when it was out, but... Oof. Am I... I have to think on that one.
1: It was, again, one of those Netflix shows that just became something that everyone had to see.
2: Mm. And I, I never started. actually finished it, you know. I mean, obviously I know what happens, but I never finished it. I just hit a moment where I was like, why am I spending my precious time on this earth with these people? And then I just turned it off. <laughs> Never went back.
1: I admire resolve in being able to like do that. I mean,
2: come on, I've also watched all of Married at First Sight UK so it's very much just pick and choose at this stage. <laughs>
1: Speaking of the old reality TV, I spotted the other day that Alan Sugar's gone down under with his apprentice.
2: There's some sort of weird obsession at the moment with the Brits wanting to watch Australians do things on telly.
1: It might be the fact that The Ashes is coming up. You know, I don't know. Alan Sugar's <laughs> literally, I think he's just was spending lockdown in Australia. And
2: I draw the line at The Apprentice Down Under. Come on, give me some credit, Adam. <laughs>
1: I'm also going to be watching the second season of The Leftovers and maybe I'll start on The Americans or The Thick of It. Still watching Foundation. <laughs> and really enjoying that
2: oh, It's a lot isn't it it's a lot of telly out there
1: there's so much telly out there since starting this podcast my list has just grown and grown and grown because i'm now finding out about more and more shows but i do think you have to pick and choose the ones that speak to you how can people tell us what they're gonna watch
2: oh <laughs> i'm not prepped
1: do you, do you want me to do it yeah OK, if you want to tell us what you're watching or any of your thoughts about Succession Season 3, you can contact us on the socials at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can search TV Space DNA on the Facebook or you can email us at TVDNApod at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. What would be amazing would be if you could just tell somebody else about our podcast if you're enjoying listening to it let somebody else know or you know give us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts and that would be amazing and that will help us to grow and then we can get our west wing special all sorted
2: well see you next week for episode five
1: episode five of nine i think five of nine
2: yeah we might be over the halfway line here almost Sounds like a stuffed character. Anyway, thanks, Grace. I'll see you next week. Take care. See you next week. Bye. Bye. It felt to me all that Phil was it Phil? All I can call him is Adrian Brody. Uh, Josh. Josh, where's Phil come from? he's.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what did you have for dinner?
0: And <laughs> No, you've <no, it> <laughs> been. <laughs> no, I'm in a port's cabin on West Free Road.